Good morning. Today's reading is John chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Hey, good morning, church. It's great to see you all here this morning. Um, my name is Dave. I, I hope you're with me. I didn't hear you all say good morning, but I'm going to trust that we'll get into it as we go, um, as our time goes together. So, uh, and hello again on, online and just for everyone else. Um, it's good to be here to gather together, to worship together. A uh, couple things just that were said, even just some, some themes throughout this morning. Again, we don't know kind of who's in what place, who's, who's, who's having a difficult morning. Um, one of my kids, in fact, during the first song got stung by a bee, right? And, and it can feel like our pet's heads are falling off sometimes, you know, and we just don't. Um, but but, but uh, again, I just want to say I'm glad for those of us who are here together in person, for those of us online, um, we're in this moment, in this space here together to come before the Lord, to be um, shaped by His Spirit, to worship Him, and then to be sent out in response to the good news of Jesus in all of life. And we're going to continue to walk through those, those themes this morning, specifically as we're in John chapter 3. So you can meet me there, but I have a couple things I want to hit on before we get into our time there um, in, in John. So um, as you know, we're, we've been, well, we've kind of always been homeless, if you will, as a church. Um, Jesus said the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head, and um, neither will Redemption Tucson in uh, 2,000 years after, the, after he uh, died and rose again. So we get to stand in solidarity with Jesus in that way. Um, we, though, have seen him provide time and time again. He always does. Um, we didn't know where we were going to gather when we transitioned from my house to um, gathering corporately every Sunday. And within about a month before um, the, the doors opened up for us to be at Safford, and we thought we'd be there for a long time. And then, of course, this um, crazy thing called uh, cor coronavirus um, just came out of nowhere from our perspective. And, and we haven't been in Safford um, for about six plus months. And we don't know if or when we'll get to go back there. So um, we can continue to trust in him. Now, let me give you an update about where we are and where we're headed. Okay, we, as you know, right now, we've been in the vineyard for about two months now, and we have two more weeks here, uh, including today. So next week will be our last Sunday gathering at the vineyard on Sunday morning. And we've been looking, we've been knocking on doors, praying, um, walking around buildings seven times. I think Paul Bell has a shofar he's been blowing, you know, outside of different places. Um, but uh, we, we, you know, again, are just trusting that the Lord will provide. Well, he has. And so I want to, one, just give you the details about what we're doing next, and then also encourage you to continue praying. Um, first and foremost, hear me, church, that we will be faithful. 
all right, that we will grow again in understanding we are not limited or confined by the details that we don't know, and God is, is not sitting on his throne biting his nails, wondering what we can do, okay? He's providing, he's calling us to trust in him. So we're really thankful for some good friends at Mission Church. Um, That's a church that we partner with. We've gotten to come alongside and walk alongside in many different ways. We do surge together and all sorts of different things. And and we are, are excited that they've opened up the doors for us to meet at their church for the foreseeable future. Now hear me, Kate, because this is an important detail. It's on Saturday evenings. Okay, so starting October 17th, Saturday evening, we will have, the plan is for now, again, stay tuned if any details change, but the plan is we'll have two services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on what day? Saturday. That's right, so Saturday evenings. Um, and that's, we're just, again, very thankful for their generosity and for opening up the doors there. And we'll continue to pray and trust that God will, um, you know, show us where he's going to have us long term. Now, let me also just share something. As you know, we got to pray for a church right before this. And this is just a little bit of the backstory of how God's working, right? Jesus is the head of his church. He's on the throne of his church. And Midtown Presbyterian Church has been praying. They got displaced, right? We know something about that. Um, They got displaced kind of abruptly a few weeks ago. They were told that as of October, the first week in October, they would have nowhere to meet. And they meet on Sunday nights. And so Chris Tahan here at the Vineyard, who have, they've like set the tone for how to be generous, how to not think that it's all about you, how to just use whatever God blesses you with to bless others. We meet here for youth group. We meet here for tapestry. We now rent our office right here at the Vineyard, right? They are just so generous. And so Chris and I were talking about our situation, and he explained it to us about what Midtown is going through and said, well, you guys could still meet here on Sunday evening. And we just said, the Lord just convicted us right away, said, we know this isn't a good long-term solution, and for Midtown, this is a great long-term solution. So why don't we just get out of the way in the sense of um, Sunday evenings and just really love and bless and pray and come alongside Midtown Presbyterian. They can meet here, right? It's easy for us to give up somebody else's space anyway, but um, we kind of had first dibs, if you will, and, and, um, and it was just such an easy answer to say, you know what? No, God's provided for them. Um, he'll continue to provide for us, and uh, we all get to be in this together. Amen? Amen. So that's just a heads up on where we're at. Hopefully I covered all the right details. Um, Stay tuned for what that means regarding Redemption Kids, what that means regarding RSVPs. Um, We'll give more details next week on all that, but I wanted to let you know, we just discovered this like a couple days ago, so we want to give you out of the gates what we know. We want to make sure you know. So again, Saturday, October 17th, 4 and 6 p.m., Um, We'll look forward to worshiping together in that new way on Saturday night and see how new routines and different things like that will will form in this coming season. So um, let me go ahead and pray for us, okay, as we shift gears now and we get into our time in... um, in, 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 uh, in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, when we talk about this idea of being born again. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you as your people. Um, even the songs we sang, I, I'm sure in this season, give more meaning, new meaning, Lord, that all we have is Christ. I confess that though that's always true, there are so many times throughout life that it doesn't feel that way. 
Lord, that I can, I can say those words with my mouth, but the thoughts of my heart and my actions and my perspective about life does not reflect that you are it. Lord, that our, all we have is you and what you provide. And Lord, the way you direct us, as we even heard there and we'll press into, as the wind blows, Lord, you can't direct it or know where it's going. You see the effects, Lord, so it is the case with your Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray that we will embrace and, and we'll, Lord, will um, submit to your guiding and your direction. Lord, I pray that for our church as a whole. Lord, we pray that for each and every family, Lord, for every individual here, Lord, may we find the grace, the freedom that comes in submitting to following you every moment of every day. And Lord, that is true in this time right now as we get into your word. I pray that by your spirit, you will guide us and direct us and shape us in and through the person and work of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. So what's, this, what's up with this idea of born again, right? This word, this phrase, born again. I, I admit in our culture, it's a bit of a, of a, it can feel like a bit of a spooky word, right, to some people. Perhaps you're, um, you're not from a, a, a Christian background, a, a Christian home, and it, it gets referred to as like, oh yeah, those boom. Born agains, right? The born again Christians. Oh, you're you're different than those who are who are who are born again, right? Well, you're you're a Christian, like you're a normal Christian, right? And and then you have like the born again Christian. Sometimes, um, perhaps it's like a more like charismatic context gets kind of referred to as like the born againers or whatever. And and um and and we're gonna press into that, okay? And now hear me out of the gates. I, I want us to I want us to understand what it means to be born again, but not to a apologize for it. Okay, even I don't want to go out of my way to try to overly clarify and explain because as we see, it's this this miraculous, mysterious work of God and what it means for him to turn lost people to his children, what it means for him to awaken dead hearts to being alive. And and, and that idea is, is what it means to be called born again. So I don't want to overly explain or certainly not apologize for this term, but I also want to acknowledge, again, for some of us, um, it might be something that needs clarifying, right? We think of maybe Jerry Falwell or maybe like, you know, different church contexts and, and, then, and then it becomes like even a politicized or a part of the culture wars, right? Everything today is getting sucked up into one side of the culture war, and, and we continue to press in and say, well, who are we? Um, we're, we're kingdom people. We're following Jesus. We're not going to get sucked up into either of these things, and pe- people keep trying to bring Jesus into that in his day as well, similarly today, and he's like, no, no, no. I won't play by those games. I have my own, um, my own thing I'm doing here, and, and you can be a part of it. Um, but but not get not get pulled to the this side or to that side. All right. Um, so that's what we're committed to this morning. A- amen? amen. And and as a church, that's what we're committed to. Okay. I want you to hear me say that we're looking at Jesus. We're following Jesus. We take our cues from Jesus. And Jesus is the one who talks about being born again. So I want to ask you this question: Are you a born again Christian? Or what does it mean to be a born again Christian? Now, even that phrase is normally how it goes. I'm a born-again Christian. Well, R.C. Sproul, author, pastor, theologian, he talks about born-again Christian. He actually calls it Christian stuttering. 
All right? I didn't mention it this morning. I have a stutter. Even right there when I stuttered, I explained it. Um, I got to admit, I, I, when I, when I read that, I cursed R.C. Sproul and threw his book. I'm like, you can't talk about stuttering. I can talk about stuttering. You can't. But no, he calls it Christian stuttering. And what he means is born-again Christian is a redundant phrase. Okay, hear me. You can't be a Christian unless you're born again. So the big idea I want us to hear this morning that we're going to press through, we're going to walk through, again, these eight verses is this. You must be born again. You must be born again. That's how we're going to walk through this. That's the big idea this morning. That's the question I want to ask you. Are you born again? Because in order to participate in Jesus' kingdom, in order to be reconciled, to be set free, to have hope, to have forgiveness of sin, to have eternal life, you must be born again. So with that, meet me in John chapter 3. We'll pick up here in verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So we read last week about these Pharisees that Jesus is interacting with, and he's explaining what it means to understand the kingdom of God. And they're asking him, what gives you the authority to do the things you're doing and to say the things you're doing? And he talked about, well, this temple must be torn down and then rebuilt, right? And he's referring to himself, his body, his crucifixion. And then on the third day, him being raised from the dead, he said, that's the sign that you will need to understand the power and the authority and the kingdom of God. And so one of their own, if you will, Nicodemus, comes up to Jesus and seemingly seeking to understand. And he does on some level, but not fully, right? Look how he comes. He comes at night. So he's looking for the light, right? He's looking to understand Jesus on some level, but he's still skeptical. He's still afraid of what other people are going to think about him. He still comes at nighttime. And that might be some of us in here today or at home, perhaps, where you're interested, you're intrigued, but you're coming to Jesus and, and you're like, well, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to show up. I don't, wanna, I don't want my, my parents to know. You know, I'm going to have my headphones on if I'm watching on YouTube. I don't want my, my, my roommates to know what I'm doing. Not that you have to, you know, do a bl- blast it, right? Be a good neighbor. Don't, you know, be, be a- annoying, right? No one wants to hear my, my voice unless they actually signed up for it. Um, but, but at the same time, like, what's going on on the heart level? And, and, and Jesus is, 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 is going to address Nicodemus, and he knows what's going on at his heart level. And there's a level of skepticism. And also, as has been a theme, some control. All right, Nicodemus, look what he says, right? He calls Jesus rabbi. He says to him, rabbi. We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Now, there's also an element, a posture there, where he's saying, hey, listen, I'm a rabbi, you're a rabbi, we're all some rabbis, you can be in our club too, Um, you just need to clarify a couple things for us, right? Um, Because remember, last week, they're critiquing him, They're, they're evaluating, they're judging Jesus. Well, Jesus, will you answer the way I want you to answer me. If you do, you can be in our club too. You can be a fellow rabbi because we know what you're doing is unique. Um, and, then, and then Jesus, though, doesn't play his games. 
All right, we, we'll see this theme time and time again. Sometimes you might be asked a question and you feel like you're backed into a corner. We can look to Jesus and there is an option of just saying, I'm not gonna answer it that way. Okay, if you're a parent, sometimes um, you get asked a question and it feels like, yes or no, do you love me or can I have a million dollars and go to Disneyland and eat ice cream every meal of the day? And it's like, I'm, it's not an either or. I'm not answering you according to the questions you're asking me, all right? I'm gonna engage differently. We see that time and time again with Jesus and his relationship with the Pharisees and also in his posture toward us. He loves us too much to play our games. And Jesus' answer to Nicodemus, pick up now in verse three. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Right, so you might, this is sometimes Nicodemus gets made fun of. But again, just think, he's looking on this level and Jesus answers him on a totally different level altogether. Just like last week. Well, what's your sign? Well, I'm gonna tear down this temple and then it will be rebuilt. Uh, this thing took 46 years. Help me understand, right? We have the benefit of understanding the bigger picture. We know Jesus died and then on the third day rose from the dead. But they didn't know that yet. All right, Nicodemus could not, he had never heard this idea of being born again. And he's like, what are you talking about? Some translations, perhaps even some of yours, um, that word for again is actually from above. You must be born from above. But let's be honest, that doesn't demystify it that much. It's still like, well, what does that mean? I thought I was born from my mom. Like I, I took eighth grade biology. Like I know how this works and I don't think that can happen. Right? But again, Jesus goes on to explain, but he doesn't do it in such a way that, that makes it abundantly clear unless God does a work. Unless God helps you understand, no matter how smart you are, you can't understand. And that's when Jesus goes on and says, listen, you must be born again. So that first part there I want us to understand is you. All right, again, Nicodemus, some of us like this, Nicodemus is approaching Jesus on this ethereal conversation. Hey, let's get it. I love apologetics. Let's do this. And some of us actually see a couple here who's in, who's in ministry, young, younger couple in ministry. I, remember, I, I look back at how many hours I spent. I don't want to say wasted, but maybe with the student who was like, I'd love to meet with you. I'll sit, I'll meet with you. You know, let's meet for three hours every week and we'll just dig into it and we'll talk and we'll argue about the existence of hell and the age of the earth and, 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 the, and the ark and the flood and, and this and that and the Tower of Babel and we'll do all this. And at some level, there needs to be a discernment of like, is this, are you interested for yourself or your own heart or, or are you keeping everything out there? And are we just talking right now, kind of going around circles, debating? Now, God doesn't waste anything. He works through every conversation, things like that. But, but on some level, and this is, I think, what Jesus is doing with Nicodemus. He's like, boom, I'm, I'm surgically going to your heart right now. So when he's speaking to him, he says, you, Nicodemus, you. Okay? And then he, when he uses that word or that term in verse 5, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom 
of God. And then down in verse 7 even, he says, do not marvel that I said to you. Okay, so that first you there, he's like looking at, looking at Nicodemus, truly, truly, like hear me right now, right? Look at me, wake up. I'm talking to you. It's not just out there. You must be born again, right? Nicodemus could be like, well, I'm a Pharisee. Of course, I, of course I'm, I'm one of God's people, Right, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I've, I've done this. Like p- the Apostle Paul would even talk about, I was circumcised on the right day. I went, I studied under the right teacher. Hear me now. Uh, some of us might here might have been raised in a Christian church. My own kids, we talk about this. Just because their dad is a pastor doesn't mean it's just you're a Christian. Okay. Again, Jesus's point is, it, it's not about are do you check Christian on the box, right? Um, you know, Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, Jewish, Christian, other, is like, no, it's not about that. It's about, have you been born again? I'm talking to you. I heard this phrase, right? It's like being raised in the church makes you no less a Christian than my dad was a police officer, and this is who I heard the joke from. Um, it's a dad joke, too. Then it makes you no much, uh, no more a Christian being raised in the church and being raised in a donut shop makes you a police officer, right? I love police officers, my own dad again. So there's a little joke, right? But I want, I want that to sink in. Just because you're here, I'm glad you're here. But again, I want to talk to the heart. Jesus is pursuing your heart. He's saying, you must be born again. But then in verse 7, and also up in verse 5, he also uses a plural word. Okay, so it's like this. He says, listen, Nicodemus, you, like, do not marvel when I say to you, you all must be born again. Okay, there's a plural. So there's an individual and a universal reality that Jesus is speaking to right here. He's saying, you, every one of you right here, every one of you at home, myself, you must go from death to life. You must have a new heart. You must be born again. And that is true for every human who will ever walk the face of the earth in order to have life you must be born again. So Jesus says, you must be born again, okay? Must. There's a level of urgency of, 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 of absolute here. There's, there's no other way, okay? In a number of months, we'll get to John 14. We'll see where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Well, guess what no one means? In the Greek, it means no one, <laughs> okay? It means nobody. There's no other way. There's no, there's no, well, I'm a good person. Well, I do this. Well, I, no, no, you must. Now, why is that? I encourage you to turn with me, if you have a Bible with you, um, to, to Ephesians chapter two. This is where we get a picture. Ephesians chapter two, verses one through seven, gives us the most clear picture of why you must be born again. Why am I saying you must you, you have to be born again in order to be reconciled, forgiven, participate in the kingdom of heaven, to have eternal life, to have your identity and your purpose um, re- renewed, redeemed through faith in Jesus. Well, at the very beginning of Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all 
once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. By nature, children of wrath, born. I love Nellie. I prayed for Nellie. We love, right? It's a little baby. Other babies love babies. I'm not this mean guy that doesn't like babies, right? I've once heard it said, if, if, uh, if, someone, if, if um, babies or dogs respond negatively to a person, you should question their character. Um, okay, I, I love dogs. I'm okay with dogs. I love babies. But, um, but, but at the same time, like, it, it, I need to be clear here. By nature, we are children of wrath. We are all born dead, Okay, because of sin, because um, we have a sin nature, we, we, it doesn't take long to have a rebellious perspective toward life, to, to, to say, no, I want my way, to be a navel gazer, right? To think what's best for me, right? And that just, we just kind of grow into it. Has, it gets louder and more far-reaching the older we get, but it's there from the beginning, right? We are dead, in the trespasses and sins in which we walk. So there's a level of urgency. You, individual, and you all, all of us, must be born again. There's an urgency, there's a muster, because we're dead. Well, guess how a dead person stops being dead? Not through its own effort. Not through its own, you know, reviving. Not through, um, you know, taking, like we sometimes like treat it, we treat Christianity following Jesus like it's like keto or CrossFit. You know, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do this and it'll, give me, it'll get me over the hump. It'll get me a little bit better. I'll do these things and then I'll become a little bit better version of myself. I'll, no, again, if you're dead, you need life. We're not talking about, we're not talking about um, um, like, like re- re- renewing. We're talking about complete revival, Okay, again, as we talked about last week, it's not, Jesus doesn't come in with 409 and a rag. He comes in with a sledgehammer. Okay, he wants, to, he wants to wipe it all out and then rebuild. And that's what he wants to do with your and my heart. You must be born again. And there's that language there, be, okay, that I wanna, I wanna emphasize, I want us to press into, all right? Look in... Um, Let's see now. Even we'll go back to uh, say to verse verse five again. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, right? We just read. Which is the flesh is not just physical body, but it's it's my nature. It's dead. Okay, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Then now skip down to verse eight. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Okay, there is a mystery involved here. Again, you must be born again. Well, how do I do that? How do I think that as a pastor? How do I get creative enough um, sermons? How do, I, how do I manipulate your heart to bring you in? How do we, you know, where's the, where's the keyboard? Sam, hit the note, hit the right note, and that'll, that'll bring people up right now, right? That, and, and that's none of that 
it, it, that can be helpful to maybe create an environment for us to settle into, but ultimately it takes the Spirit of God working like the wind. You can't control it. You see the effects, but you can't orchestrate it. All right, you can't control it. You can't direct it. You can't fabricate it. You can't manufacture it. It is a work of God. You must be. Okay, be, it's, it's, a, it's an outside effort that God has done. Back to Ephesians, where we just read there in Ephesians chapter two, now picking up in verse four, let me continue, right? We are all by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, who? God, but God. I think anywhere in the Bible, when you see that phrase, that word underline it, it is is the most beautiful phrase. It doesn't, Okay, let me just have a little, a little aside here for a moment. Whatever is going on in our lives, sometimes we try to fabricate better emotions, better feelings. We think, oh, um, I'm going to downplay the pain, the sadness, the tragedy that's going on in my life. My, I, like, uh, what's going on in our country? What's going on culturally? What's going on in my relationships with my, my kids, with my job situation, whatever it might be? Okay, God is so big and so great and so loving. He never downplays that. But hear me, no matter how bad it is, and it can be very bad, it's never, ever the end of the story. Because some of the most beautiful, empowering, hope-filled words are but God. But God, who's rich in mercy. But God, who is in control. And most foundationally, we are dead, but God. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were, what? Dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That's undeserved favor. And raised us up with him and seated us with him. There's, an, there's language of, of permanence of no matter what happens, whatever, the, whatever might happen, the, the, the winds might blow, the rains might, might fall, the floods might come, but, but because of Christ, I am seated with him in the heavenly places so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We are naturally dead, but God, who is rich in mercy through Christ, makes us alive again through faith in him. You must be born again. Let me help us kind of land the plane here and explain born again. I don't want to dismiss it. I don't want to put it in a box or in a cage. Okay, God works mysteriously. But let me help us understand this terminology a little bit better, even just in case it's a little bit confusing for us. Um, uh, in his systematic theology, Wayne Grudem, he's a theologian, he's a professor up at Phoenix Seminary. This is how he explains to be born again, and it's this, the, the, the theological word used to des- describe it is regeneration. This is what he says. Regeneration, or being given life from death, is a secret act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to us. This is sometimes called being born again. 
Okay, and this comes from John chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. So even there in his big, fat, systematic theology where he's explaining this, this doctrine of being born again, the, the critical reality of our desperate need to be born again, he refers to this passage we're in right now, a secret act of God. And again, I want us to understand, make up, like, set up shop in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. I mean, yes, all of scripture, all this, but that's one of those places that verses one through three just helps drive in the reality of our desperate need and our absolute helplessness, our total depravity, if you will, outs in and of ourselves. And then verses four through seven just drive home God's incredible, beautiful intervention of bringing us from death to life. And then to, um, one more quote for us from J.I. Packer. He says this, To be born again with a new heart and a new nature means that we have at our deepest level a new identity and new passionate desires for God's word and ways. Church, when we say all of life is all for Jesus, hopefully you hear that here. It's not something you can muster up. It's not something we want to try to guilt us into or give you a neat little catchy phrase so that you can just go out and be a better person. It's understanding that if you have life at all, it's come through Jesus. It's because God, who is rich in mercy, gave you new life, made you go from death through birth to being alive again. So now you have life. You have real life. You have abundant life. You have full life, and that life if you have life at all, will be all for Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, directing you, guiding you, first and foremost, through his word, through the community that he's provided for you to come alongside you, to pray for one another, to confess our sins to one another, to to encourage and admonish and, and hold one another accountable and spur one another on. All of life is all for Jesus. So I wanna ask you, are you born again? Does your life reflect having been given a new heart through faith in Jesus? Or, or, or do you find yourself frustrated? Have you, have you maybe rested on your family, your upbringing, your home, how often you go to church, anything other than God giving you a new heart? And again, I want to ask us to evaluate our lives. Okay, we all are going to sin. We're all going to struggle. But if you're just okay with it, if it's like, yeah, I just do this, but I don't even really care, and you, you think grace, undeserved favor, is cheap, and you just take it for granted, you're like, oh, yeah, I got grace. I, I one time prayed this prayer. I had a couple emotional moments, and now I'm just good to do whatever I want. Then that doesn't reflect a new heart, a new life that Christ has called us into. So church, now as we um, respond to Jesus, I just want to leave us all bare before his Holy Spirit. I can't control it. I can't fabricate it. I mentioned, you know, music and right organ and minor keys, whatever it is. Um, that's not the goal. Um, Pastor Tim Mon up at Redemption Gilbert says this. He says, he says, preaching is the hostile takeover of the heart by the word of God through the spirit of, the God, of God. What's the Spirit doing right now? Okay, if you feel a conviction, you feel a tug, you feel like God is speaking to you, 
I believe he is. I believe he's calling you to respond through faith and surrender. Perhaps he is giving you a new heart. And I want to ask you to come up and talk to me after the service, but right now, pray. Lay before God. Respond to him. See how the Spirit might lead you right, to giving you a new heart. Okay, so let's all pray together and enter into this time of worship. Father, we are yours. We belong to you. Lord, I don't know how you're stirring us right now. I don't know what you're doing. Um, but Lord, I know you're good. Um, Lord, I know you pursue us. You're like the hound of heaven, as C.S. Lewis talked about. Lord, though we are dead in our trespasses, you are rich in mercy. Lord, how many people here right now, who, who at home, the words but God are the best words? You don't know, I, I've been in sin, I'm, I'm hopeless, I feel like life is crashing in on me, I don't know where to turn, I, I can't beat my sin, I continue to run back to it, bad habits I seem to continually be in bondage to, but God. Lord, who are you leading to faith in you right now? I pray we surrender, Lord. We are laid bare before you. In Jesus' name, amen.